But yeah, it, it's it's one hundred percent a money thing because something as simple or something we perceive as simple as closing the beaches, then the government officials are like, oh, if you close the beaches, then people won't come to the beach, and the businesses on the beaches will suffer. Like pretending like they've cared about these businesses the whole time. If they cared about the businesses, they would have <laughs> simply paid everyone to stay home in right. the first place. Nothing. We're recording. <laughs> Hi. Hi. It's our third episode. Oh my god! I can't believe we've been doing this for three weeks. <laughs> well, it's been it's been longer than that if you think about the designing of the cover, which you did, and the did. planning, all the way back yeah. to that original text. You know, I know, just us thinking that we're funny. <laughs> We, we are funny we are funny you know what's um, not funny though what this pandemic that we've been in for over a year yeah not funny it's actually it's so crazy to me like every day i see something like snapchat memories or facebook memories or something that reminds me that like a year ago we were like ah, two weeks quarantine and it's just like oh yeah yeah big ouch well, before we get to that, how has your week been? Anything of note happened to you in the last seven days? Um, I started watching this show on Netflix called Marriage or Mortgage. Oh um, my God. Are you me, watching it? <laughs> me too. Let's <laughs> let it be known to the audience that Ely and I have not mentioned this show to each other until this very moment. Yeah, this is the first time I'm hearing about this. Okay. Have you watched all of it? I've seen six episodes i watched four with debbie over the weekend oh my god i'm so happy including the two gay ones of course okay yes so i watched it with my cousin while she was doing my hair and i at first i was like okay because she just like puts on whatever she wants on the tv because you know it's her house (laughs) so i was just like okay what's this and then she explained it to me and the couple that we had been watching was like that one couple that chose the house and they wanted to like stay abstinent. So the wife would like go to the neighbor's house to sleep every night. And we were both like, <laughs> <laughs> we were like, what did she just <laughs> And she, my cousin was like, can't you just like sleep in a different room? Or she was like, can't y'all just not have sex? Like, I guess she, just, she just didn't trust your temptation. But straight people who are celibate really are doing the most for that. Because let's oh be God. honest, it's a religion thing too. They want the whole world to know that they're not having sex. So they do the absolute most to like walk over to the neighbor's house and be like, oh, I can't sleep with my husband. Can I sleep on your couch? <laughs> also those type of couples that have the t-shirts that literally say like saving it till marriage no yeah have you seen that like there's some I've sort of subreddit there's a subreddit i forget what it's called but it's for like bad um engagement photo shoots and baby shoots and whatnot and i there are countless of couples that are um Mm-mm. that are abstaining till marriage and they wear shirts during the engagement shoot that's like waiting till marriage or like excited to touch or something stupid like that i'm not kidding no no i'll find the subreddit and and send the link to you sometime it exists i just forget the name okay well how's your week well i have some thoughts about marriage versus mortgage as well 
Yeah, well, let, let's hear them. <laughs> this is now a marriage mortgage, marriage or mortgage stand podcast. <laughs> is it marriage or mortgage or marriage versus mortgage? I like versus. Oh, I don't know. I thought it was marriage or mortgage. Mor- what is it? <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Okay, so the first thought of my brain, um, Sarah and Nicole. I don't Are know. Are those the like older women? Oh, she said older. Wait. You think they're older? I think like Nicole might be a little older, but Sarah seems like a early 30s to me. Oh, um, we're not talking about the same couple. <laughs> we're talking about the host of the show. Oh, okay. Oh, I thought we yeah. were ta- okay. I don't know their names. You think I <laughs> pay attention to two every episode? <laughs> every episode. You think that's what I <laughs> Oh my God. Well, anyway, speaking of them, I don't know if they style themselves or if Netflix, someone has someone styling them, but they look damn great. Very almost every episode. Very fashion. My favorite thing is when it's like at the end of the episode and they're both like, just kind of like throwing in all the like free shit that they got for the couples and the way oh. that they give each other the side eye or like one of them will look like they're just like, Oh, I'm fucked. And then they just kind of sit there like with the defeated <laughs> look and then they come out with something and it's like, Oh, well, mom was, when we were watching some on Saturday, she was like, I wonder, it's it's quite a coincidence, isn't it? That Sarah, Sarah cause Sarah in particular at the wedding, she gets a bunch of free shit. And I'm yeah. like, mom, notice how the venues, they show the name, they mention the name multiple times. It, like true. it's free advertisement. So, you yeah. know, Netflix came to them and they were like, hey, comp us something, we give you free advertisement. Um, but yeah, sure. it's, it's like a, it, it became a cliche in and of itself. um the other thing I'd like to point out I now granted I've only seen about half of it but Mm -hmm. literally every episode I have watched so far they all pick wedding and okay yes and (laughs) I think it's an obvious pick the house where are you gonna live okay pick the house but I I hate to say this and maybe it's because most of them are straight people and I love laughing at their pain but I got really excited when they would pick wedding because I would okay because the first episode I watched was the first episode and they pick wedding and it's like due to COVID-19 and it, there's like cheery music. They're like, due to COVID-19, this couple was not able to have the wedding of their dreams. So they just had 12 members of their family gather in a chapel. And I was yes. just like cackling, like this, <laughs> the cruel irony of that. And then people kept choosing wedding. And I don't know, the, the one I was most disappointed by, because by far my favorite episode was the older lesbian couple. Okay, yes, that's who I thought you were talking about at first. Those and... two were my absolute favorite. And they had a COVID gross wedding, no yes. masks, free for all, absolute 70 madness. people, yeah, no, that it was it was really disappointing, honestly. Um, another thing I noticed during their episode, one of the houses they looked at, the, the first shot of the bedroom, they have pillows that say, hello, beautiful, and like, hello, handsome. And then I noticed that like the next shot of the bed, the pillows were completely different. Almost as if the production realized they were like, oh shit, this is a lesbian <laughs> couple. We need to get rid of those pillows. I thought it was so funny. Um, that oh, was great. Oh God, this is like, yeah. Oh, I love it. It's it's, it's just so funny. <laughs> and on a, on a semi-related note, um, the younger lesbian couple, have you seen mm-hmm. that episode? Uh, no, I didn't. Oh. The blonde one looks like Morgan. My Morgan? Yes. Uh-oh. Morgan. <laughs> <laughs> like like 85% looks like Morgan. Interesting. No lie. Um, interesting. But they're cute too. Yeah. So very interesting yeah. show. Um, crazy. Yeah, I also I watched the, I believe 
Is the celibate couple the last episode? No, I don't think it is. I don't know. Cause when I watched it with my cousin, we like started in the middle and it played them in like a weird order. So like, we thought we finished the whole season, but we didn't. So it, it was weird. I don't remember, but I watched like the celibate couple, that one really young couple where the guy wanted like an athletic shower in the house. Oh, I watched that one too. That was, Oh my little, God. That one you know. made me laugh the hardest because they were so <laughs> stupid. Like when, when the wedding lady wanted them to like say their vows in the ring store and they were like, baby, I love you. (laughs) I love you. And then they were just hugging each other, like crying. I was like. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the one, the thing I was going to mention, there's an episode with the self-proclaimed hillbilly couple or like redneck couple. Yes. Okay. Oh my God. When they went to the moonshine wedding venue, I was losing it because they were taking shots of moonshine left and right. Okay. And- I thought about the time you took like a sip of moonshine on new year's and you like blacked out for three days. Yep. At Dylan Slacky's new year's party. And I don't have a memory of half that night because of that moonshine. It I don't remember. It was just a sip. It was just a sip. I don't remember the proof of that, but like in that episode, when they, they tried it out, they were like, here's the blue flame moonshine. 120 proof. My mom and I looked at each other and we were like, oh, are you kidding? And this was after yeah. they had already taken shots of like 12 other moonshines. Yeah. I would love to know like what their genetic makeup is Crazy. because like how? <laughs> I yeah, don't even insane. know, but I live for the Netflix every now and then they come out with a reality program that just hits the nail on my like reality satisfactory yes, head. 100%. So this is kind of, it's not, it's not a series. Like you don't have to follow it in the sense of these other ones I'm about to mention, but it's kind of like the new love is blind or too hot to handle mm-hmm. like guilty pleasure Netflix thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm here for it. Cause I love those I, other shows. I appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Should we get into our topic for this week? What are we talking about, Zach? Well, I did want to uh, briefly discuss my new dates with Sir Nicholas. Oh, yes, please. I got to keep the viewers informed. It's still going. The viewers, I guess, technically. The listeners. Listeners. They're looking at the app (laughs) when they open it. Um, (laughs) Anyway, so I, I made a crack last episode that our episodes are lining up with our dates. However, not the case anymore, because since our last episode, I've had two dates. So we have now surpassed the four date threshold. Um, Yep. I, uh, I've seen him twice since the last time we recorded and we had our little taco making night. That was fun. I also made really bomb frozen margaritas in a Nutribullet that he had. I must say, Nutribullet. Oh, I thought you had a Nutribullet. I was like, since oh, when? That would have been helpful. <laughs> Nutribullets are scary. Are they? People use them to like make baby food. So yeah, I, I guess like, they're pretty intense. I don't like it. It's just very fast and furious. And well, yeah. I mean, it's, that's what I'm saying. Like if they make baby food, that's... Ugh. <laughs> yeah, but but in, in, it was good though eventually because it made the frozen margarita like really fine and it just went down real oh, smooth. Yeah. Oh um, yeah. So it was good. We played more Mario Party. Hey. It's just a jolly time. And then he he came to see me in Baltimore on Sunday. It was a beautiful Aww. day. We walked on the harbor. We watched the sunset. We got some food. Things are going real peachy. And he just adopted a dog yesterday. 
Oh my so God. he has. I don't know why, now. but when you said adopted, I really thought you were going to say like a kid. And no. I was like, are you okay? With <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm more than okay with uh, a dog, but he, she's real sweet. He, he adopted her from the shelter and I get to meet her in a few days. Very nice. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. So things are good. We'll love keep dogs. you posted. Love dudes. Well, well yeah. Ah. Ref- refer back to episode one. <laughs> All right. Well, let's talk about this episode. Yes. So this episode, we are going to be dissecting, complaining, reflecting on the pandemic that we've been in for a little over a year now. Um, I do think it's important to acknowledge before we begin our conversation that while there are certainly going to be some laughs and some yucks uh, during this episode, clearly this pandemic has taken its toll across the globe in many ways. You know, millions of people have died, over half a million just in this country alone. And it's a really sad and tragic thing. And, and luckily, neither Ely nor I have had the misfortune of being connected to someone close to us who has died from this virus. Um, but we just want to let you know that we're, we don't mean to make fun of it or make light of it. We're just using humor to cope with what this past year has brought us. And we hope that you can find some solace in that as you listen. Yes. I hope I put that (laughs) eloquently enough. No, you did. Very nice. Very well said. Okay. Well, that being said, let's get started. Yeah. Um, I feel like we've both gone through some like very intense changes since last March. So let's talk about how the pandemic has either has like heightened the intensity of like how that's affected us. We really have. Um, yeah. So I feel like mine was coincidental. Um, mm-hmm. As you know, a little place called, should I not say it? I feel like we shouldn't. I feel like you should just say like, Okay, the Don't largest. Say. Okay, the as largest we <laughs> as we know, because <laughs> I'm going to redact the name. Um, back in November of 2019, the largest performing arts theater in Wisconsin. You can Google it if you want to, but I'm not going to say the name. Um, they let your boy go, as we know, and mm-hmm. in order to get employment. Eventually, I took a job with my mom's good friend's company here in Maryland, where I hail from. And so (laughs) the first, I think it was like February 2nd, like the the first weekend of February, I. Yeah, it was literally the day after my birthday party. Yes, which was really fun. And that was actually the last time I was in a club or a bar before pandemic. And that was a really good way to go out, honestly, super fun. Um, (laughs) But anyway, yeah, I flew out here in early February for this job. And I lived with my mom for a month while I was looking for a place, getting a car, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, as soon as I got a place, got a car, I went back to Milwaukee to like move my furniture and stuff because I just, it was kind of last minute. So I didn't have a chance to do that. Um, the yeah. first go round, I got back, I drove the U-Haul back and I moved into my Baltimore apartment. And then that Monday we started working from home. You know, it's funny. I remember you saying too, like, you were like, oh yeah. Um, because Maryland doesn't have any reported COVID cases and Wisconsin does. I have to quarantine when I get oh. back. Like, 
oh my God, that's so crazy. And then you literally like never went back to work. <laughs> yeah, no, I forgot about that. That's true. The The last week in February before I came back to Milwaukee to pack and stuff, um, my immediate team, we even like had a little lunch because we were like, oh, Zach, we're not going to see you for like 30 days. Cause I was going to be, I was going to be off of work for like 10 days. And then I had to quarantine right. for two weeks because yeah, at that time it was early enough that there were cases in Wisconsin, but none in Maryland. So mm -hmm. Lisa was like, I would like you to quarantine just to be safe. And then wouldn't you know it, it progressed that quickly that in the, in the 10 days I was gone, right. the whole company went to working from home. Oh my God. Yeah. Insane. So, so my life changed a lot, like literally right before the pandemic. Um, and, but it, it was difficult in the sense that obviously being in a city that I'm familiar with, but, but I don't have any friends here. Um, my, my process of making connections, which is halted dead in this track. Like I, I had all these plans to volunteer um, and make friends that way, blah, 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 yada, yada, all these things that I couldn't do all of a sudden. And so I was left quarantining in an apartment by myself with no friends. Luckily, like, thank God my mom at the time lived half an hour away from me. Um, and I could have that point of contact, but that was the most difficult thing in the first yeah. few months there. Cause I was just felt really lonely. Yeah, for sure. But I know that your life actually changed <laughs> dramatically because of the pandemic. Yes. So, um, in May of last year, was it? Yeah, I guess it was. Oh God. In May, I actually was let go from the same largest theater company. <laughs> um, and <laughs> I, I, it, <laughs> It's funny because I, I don't think I've told a lot of people this, but I was actually gearing up to quit that job anyway. Like I was literally waiting for my lease to end, which my lease ended actually like two weeks, I think, or maybe not even a week after they told me they were eliminating my position. I was going to actually quit as soon as my lease was up and I could move into my parents' house because I was just in like an absolute horrible place. And I, I had, I had a, like an emotional downfall after I graduated college, which sounds stupid, but it was just like, no, it's everything. Not stupid. it was just like, nobody, nobody talks about that. Like nobody prepares you for that. And it was like everything that I had grown to like become accustomed to. And like everything that I had like discovered about my, myself in like the four years that I spent in college was like completely taken away from me. And so it was just like, and I, I didn't realize that, like, it just, it was a horrible time for me, like mental health wise, I was super depressed and I hated my job and I felt so miserable and I hated my apartment. I hated everything about my life. Pretty much. You had just left. It was like, Oh my God. Oh yeah. There were and tears then, every day, <laughs> literally every day. And then they told me I was getting let go. And I was like, this is okay. <laughs> Which sounds crazy, but I was so okay with it. I remember I cried for two seconds and then my mom was like, why are you sad? And I was like, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but let's also acknowledge, quick side note, this largest performing arts theater in the state of Wisconsin, um, you can Google it if you want once again. Uh, let it be known that that first round of quote unquote pandemic firing uh, just so happened to include about 90% of the folks of color that worked in the offices. So yeah, it was pretty bogus. But um, for me, I was just like, all right, peace. Healy was like, racism? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Works for me. 
Yeah, it was weird. Um, definitely some things I kind of like regret about that process, but that's a whole other story. Um, but then after that, I just like, I spent a lot of time just like trying to fix myself. <laughs> like I focused on like what self-care meant and what like that meant for me specifically. I started painting again, which was really fun. And I just, it was just so like liberating to not be like tied down by like capitalism. Like I was not paying rent. I had virtually no bills. It it was a nice time. (laughs) I mean, I'm not going to lie. It was kind of comforting to have that like space that like a few months, few month gap to just like chill. And then I obviously was applying for jobs and I ended up getting a job at like this incredible organization that I will say is Leaders Igniting Transformation, (laughs) Um, nonprofit, political, black and brown youth led org. And I do social media, which I had actually wanted to do after I graduated college anyway. So it was so much fun to just like get to be recognized and get to like have so much freedom in my job. So now I have a new job. And then literally as soon as I got that job, I was like, all right, time to move out. (laughs) So I moved out. I got a puppy. Everything happened so fast, but I'm, I'm, I'm happy. And I think, I don't know, maybe we can transition into like my, my first like bullet point that I wanted to discuss, but like, I kind of feel guilty. Yeah. Like I feel guilty that my life was changed for the better because of this pandemic, knowing that like, that's not the case for everyone. And like knowing that some people's like worst nightmares have come true because of this pandemic. So it's hard for me to like be happy and like celebrate these things knowing that it's come from something that's like so horrible and disgusting yeah I mean I also feel that I have felt that particularly with my job and I think that that's it's kind of a product of something outside of my current position because it's more so related to my pay and this is the first time I feel like I'm being paid genuinely comfort comfortably um which does bring upon a certain amount of guilt in a pandemic when everyone is economically suffering. So I do feel you. Um, I guess at the end of the day, like what's important to remember is that we're not actively ourselves making other people's lives worse. So there's really nothing to feel guilty about. We're just trying to live and, and we can acknowledge getting lucky and being fortunate, but that doesn't take away from anyone else. Yeah, for sure. As long as you're mindful about it. Um, yeah. Do you want to like, I don't know, one thing I felt like I needed to do before I really lay into other people and their actions during the pandemic is I really wanted to acknowledge that I myself, much like 99% of the population, have not been perfect when it comes to following COVID guidelines. Yeah. Um, One thing, one mantra that I've always had throughout the whole pandemic is 100% avoiding crowds and 100% like wearing a mask. Yeah, for sure. Um, But that being said, you know, I have, I did get on a plane once. Luckily, the plane was empty enough that I could sit in the back and maintain distance. But I got on a plane when I didn't need to. I visited you when I didn't. In fact, you visited me as well. (laughs) We visited each other. (laughs) Um, So that happened. I did have a spree last summer, like between June and August, when it felt like, oh, maybe things are getting better, Mm -hmm. where I I went on a good handful of dates um 
you know, I, I was always outside and, and wearing masks, like when we were in motion, but at the end of the day, I haven't followed guidelines 100%. I'm not alone. I know, but I just wanted to acknowledge it before yeah. I critique others for more extreme behavior, because I don't want people thinking I'm a hypocrite. I guess that, yeah. that's bound to happen by default in minor ways, but mm-hmm. Well, yeah, me too. I mean, obviously I've like been on a plane and I mean, I've been to restaurants and such, but I also always wear a mask and always avoid crowds. So, I mean, yeah, I think we've all been like, have been able to handle this, handle it in different ways, but I mean, yeah, it's like, I, there's, I don't even know how to describe it. Like, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, mean, I just wanted to say me too. <laughs> yeah, it, I mean, it's 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 almost it's a strange state of mind to vacillate between, and it kind of depends on uh, messaging. Yeah. So, like for instance, I didn't participate in the BLM protest because of the crowds, but yeah. I know that a lot of people felt like it's hard to say this without making it sound like a critique because it's not like honestly, that was a really necessary moment. Please go out and do that. Like not shaming them. But I know a lot of people felt like that was an exception. And obviously almost everyone wore a mask. That's why they weren't super spreader events. Masks were. Right. Exactly. It was Um, like no ridiculous spikes came from those protests because everyone like knew what they were doing. (laughs) Exactly. Which you think would be a case study for others, but it didn't really turn out that way. Not did it (laughs) because people were focusing on "Eh, looting. Um, but, uh, but yeah, but it, it depends on messaging. Like for instance, I, I think I took a break in between, I, I took a break from men between like late August and October. And then once we got into this, like, like once the second wave became a reality, you know, I had a couple of dates here and there, but they were all virtual because I was getting more paranoid. Um, so that's what I mean, where it was kind of like, it's been a vacillating state of mind. Like what you feel comfortable with and Mm -hmm. the reality is is that like over time now granted I am speaking from a place of privilege because like I acknowledged um I've not experienced loss directly but over time you get this sense of the lifestyle that's been fostered by the pandemic has become normalized which is something I would like to touch on later the pandemic has fostered a new lifestyle whether we like it or not. And mm-hmm. it's been a, it's been a long enough period of time where there's a certain comfort that comes with that, which I think by proxy breeds complacency. And as long as you're aware of that without letting it cross over into a realm of danger. Yeah. I just think it's like I said in our first episode, self-awareness is important. Of course. I think that's the biggest thing. Like it's totally different to like feel guilty and feel cringy about doing something or to just like recognize that you're doing something and take precautions beforehand than to just like do something and be like, I'm not going to wear a mask in 2021. Yeah. <laughs> mm. <laughs> um, so actually let's, let's talk about this idea of returning to normal and I'm going to use my finger air quotes right now um, (laughs) because we don't even know what normal is going to look like when we return to it Um, and in some sense I'm I'm talking about the immediate normal not 
not like a nebulous 10, 15 years from now. I'm talking about like 2022, you know, Mm -hmm. what is that going to, what is 2022, 2023? What is that going to look like? And I have competing emotions about this. Sometimes it varies by the day. Sometimes it varies within a day, but I have excitement over it, Mm -hmm. but also a lot of anxiety about it. Oh, for sure. Um, I think the excitement is rather obvious because we've all gotten to the point where we're, we've grown nostalgic for, um, like, for instance, I've grown nostalgic and I will talk about this if we have time uh, about going to the movies. I, I, you know, I've been a couple of times where I'm like, I'm the only one, or there's a couple of other people in the theater. Uh, But think about like, think about Avengers Endgame opening weekend. I keep seeing that video of like people just like cheering in the theaters yeah. and everybody is like, oh, remember when we could go to the, like, it keeps coming up on my yeah. Facebook page. And it's just like, that's the specific, that specific movie. And like those moments, like the opening weekend of that film, like everybody keeps revisiting because that truly was like the pinnacle of like movie theater oh. culture. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was an event and not every film is an event, but just the, what I love about the theater and it's, that's why it's one of my favorite places is it's such a, it's like private and communal at the same time. Like, mm-hmm. you know, when you're connecting to that screen, it's, it's a very intimate experience for me, but you're, it's also a communal space. So, you know, I have nostalgia for that. I have nostalgia for going to the bars, believe it or not, I'm not much of a bar goer, but I do have nostalgia <laughs> for that. And I, yeah. I like yearn for that sometimes. So yeah, that's a that's definitely a thing that excitement. But at the same time, and this goes along with that idea of comfort, I get anxious thinking about going back to that because this this mode of being we set up for ourselves in the last twelve months has gotten into this realm of like now I'm scared to lose it. Now I'm scared to lose it, and um, I think perhaps most so in a work context, uh, which we can get into how this will impact work culture as well. But specifically in terms of work, I'm like, oh God, like when we go back to the office, I can't run laundry during the day. I can't make a run to the <laughs> store. It's just, yeah, it, it's a weird sort of, it's a weird sort of anxiety, which is funny because when we first started working from home and I remember in particular, oh God, back when we thought that we were gonna be back in the office by the end oh of summer, God. Or um, even after two weeks, like, <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, we didn't, it was always nebulous for us until I think around the end of April, when we got the email that was like, oh, we're going to be back in the office by August 31st. And I remember dreading, it. I was like, oh my God, you know, three and a half more months of this. Oh my God. I hate this. And now I'm like, oh God, going back and like, oh, making I commute. love working from home. And you know what? <laughs> I will say everything that gave me anxiety about working in an office space was like, I, I don't have here. Like, I don't like people watching me work. I don't like people oh, unexpectedly yeah. dropping in. I don't like people listening to my phone calls. I don't like people looking at what's on my screen. Like, I don't like having someone over my shoulder. So like, if we do go back to an office space, I would like like almost to be in a cubicle in a way, but like everything that gave me anxiety about work, I didn't have like coming into my new position because like we are working from home. So I have just been living the dream at home, like <laughs> laying out on my couch. I'm also a hardcore introvert. So like working from home has just been everything for me. 
Well, let it be known to the listeners. One thing I got a kick out of is that in our outline for this episode, for our notes, Ely literally just wrote introvert life, LOL. <laughs> this is true, and all introverts know it. This has been a time to thrive in a way. Yeah, no, I, I don't, I actually have never really known what to consider myself. I guess there's a, there's a middle ground because I very much- You could be an omnivert. That's a thing. I think I might be that because I- I really enjoy the art of talking to people and I love spending time with my friends. Like I'll do anything with my friends. Um, but one thing I've appreciated during this pandemic, and, and I guess this is my um, introvert contribution, is with all this extra time, I've been able to consume a lot of media. And as you know, I love media, you know, study media. So I've been able to watch a lot of films. I can't tell you how many video games I've beaten over the last year. And, you know, some people would maybe look at that and be like, oh my God, like you're just sitting inside playing music. Okay. But like, since it's a, it's by necessity, of course, I'm going to enjoy it. Like I've enjoyed that. And I just, I have anxiety about uh, going back to normal working hours eventually. And it's like, shit, when am I going to have time to do that? Especially like, you know, if I, if, if I have some sort of like man in the future or something, it's like, I got to spend time with him. And now that my mom is living a little bit farther away, I obviously I need to spend time with her. It's like, when am I going to have time to, to do things I like if we go back to nine to five? When I feel like in the office, it's so much easier to like overwork yourself. Whereas like when you're at home, well, I don't know. I mean, it's, I guess it's a push and pull. Cause I feel like a lot of people feel like it's easier to overwork when you're at home. Cause there's no like separation, but I feel like when you're in your workspace, you're like in it. Whereas like when you're at home, you have other things that will like pull you away from work that you wouldn't get in the office, you know? Well, let's talk about that. Like it, I do, I am worried how the post pandemic will impact our work culture, because as we know, and stay tuned listeners, we're gonna have an episode about American work culture because it's just a lot. Um, and I'm worried about how the post-pandemic will affect that because like sometimes I'm hopeful that it'll change the way we approach work in a positive way. It, it's almost like a paradox because while we've all been stuck at home and, and I'm talking about obviously um, us who have been privileged enough to work, I guess what you would call a nine to five where we're not in the office, where we don't work in a service position it's very laptop email centric. You know what I mean? It's a paradox because I think the fluidity of work being at home has the potential to be positive in terms of like when you go back to the office. And I know this is a weird conversation because it'll vary drastically by company. I, I'm lucky enough to work for a company that very much cares about its employees and it's not super large. And we've actually already been told that whenever the office does reopen, it definitely will be like, it will not be Monday through Friday to start yeah, off. That's It'll my be- hope. I hope that like people realize how efficient like working from home can be and that it is more of like a hybrid fluid situation because I think we've all benefited some ways from like not being in like the office environment. Yeah, and, and let's be honest too. I, I'm very honest with this about my, with, with my supervisor it's rare that I work a full eight hours in a day. It's rare that I work within the span of time of nine to five. Um, it's just by the nature of how working from home works, you start to realize when you're in an office, a lot of the time spent is, it's almost like 
you're procrastinating because you you don't want to be there and also you have other people to talk to you know you can waste time going out to lunch you know there's all those different things to take you away from work but when you're working like from home, we did oh yes <laughs> they didn't deserve my time um the largest performing arts theater in wisconsin you can google them um but but no like when you're working from home it's a it's a combination of you cut out all that fat you know like i'm not yeah when i make yeah. my lunch it's like oh, it's lunchtime. I'm going to make food and eat it. And that's like literally it. Um, when I have my meetings, I do my meetings. When I have something I need to do, I can decide where it goes in the day, but like it takes the time it takes to do. And that's it. Cause it's, it's like easier to focus on. And then right, right. there are different points throughout the day where, yeah, like I'll pick up a controller and play like 20 minutes, 20 minutes of a game after lunch. That's something I could not do if I was at the office. And it honestly is like yeah. a nice, de-stressor or like someone else instead of playing a game in the middle of the day maybe they'll read a book for half an hour or watch an episode of a show and it's like that's something you could do while still getting your work done and it honestly it's it's helpful to break up the day and de-stress you um so i'm nervous about losing that and i'm also nervous this is the going back to that paradox i am nervous about the fluidity in a different way that when we go back to office life maybe there will be more of an expectation to be like, oh, this has to get done, stay in the office. Or conversely, like when you leave the office, that's not the end of your day. You need to finish that thing. Granted, I know that a lot of industries and a lot of companies have been like this for a long time, even before the pandemic. I think that's BS because I just think it's BS. I'll save that for the work culture episode. But <laughs> I'm nervous about that because if, if we're gonna go back to a separation of work and home, make mm -hmm. it be separate, like make oh, work yeah. at home be separate. Yeah. If we're going to yeah. do that, I'm not, I don't want to, I don't want to spend eight hours at the office and come back home after like a half hour commute or longer because of traffic and continue to work on something like that's yeah. it's oh, done. No yeah. And I, it needs to be separated. Yeah. And I've tried my best to maintain that separation working from home. Like I've, I understand that a lot of people have gotten, um, I don't want to use the word complacent because that makes it sound intentional, but um, people have this idea that timetables for things have been relaxed. And for those of you who don't know, I do document reviews for a tech company. So it's like, maybe if we were in the office, a document that we're, nowadays we're getting at like 4 p.m., maybe that would be ready for us at two. But people are like, oh, I'm working from home. Um, but I still try my best to be like, yo, like, I don't want to be working at not like, you know, you, you heard me reacting to the work messages that popped up a little bit ago. Like, why are yeah. we messaging at 9 PM about work to yeah. do a hobby? Like, you know, <laughs> spend time with your family. I don't, I don't get that. Like I get that people are like that. Mm -hmm. I am not one of those people. I will never yeah. be one of those people. 9 PM. You will not catch me working unless you told me, <laughs> unless you told me Zach, like, this has to get done or your neck is on the line, you will not yeah. catch me. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. The only times I do it is if I know, I'll say this too, like my current job is really good at like making sure, well, actually, I don't know if it's just my current job or if it's just me, but like, I make sure I use my flex time. Like if I do choose to work late, you best believe tomorrow I'm taking the morning off. Like, and I'll document that on my timesheet. Like I, if I put in the hours, I'm giving myself those hours back, <laughs> reclaiming my time. 
<laughs> reclaiming my time. <laughs> I Well, I wish every place could be like that. Like, I actually kind of like that idea. If we're going back to a physical office environment, maybe one day I'm feeling a 10 hour day. Maybe one right. day I'm going to bang it out. I'm like, I don't got exactly. No, I don't have any plans tonight. I'm just going to. And then, yeah, that'd be nice if I could be rewarded with coming in at 11 the next morning, right. sleeping in and a like, little bit. Sometimes it's just less stressful for me to have a one long work day and then to just take it easy the next day. Because like, sometimes you are like, all right, I'm going to pound this out. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And then you're like in the flow and it just comes out and then it's done. But like just having the freedom to like choose your own work schedule can seriously make or break how much you like vibe with your job. I hate that I said vibe with your job, but like honestly, <laughs> that's how it is. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to nip this conversation in the bud now, just because I do want to save stuff for our work culture episode. Yes. Yes. Um, for sure. Let's move on to something. I know this is very like uh, internet meme type of millennial thing, but I do genuinely feel that living in this pandemic has accelerated the way I feel about my age and time and all of that. And I think it has to do with uh, like emotional age, mental age, because living through something like this and, and just dealing with the, the stress of it, regardless of, <laughs> regardless of how I've been affected or whether I've been affected, just the weight of the world, so to speak. Mm-hmm like it's just easy to think about and be like oh my god I've only I've been out of college for three years and I feel like I'm like approaching 30 and maybe I'm being over <laughs> maybe I'm being over dramatic but obviously a lot of people relate to that concept for a reason well yeah and I think part of it too is that we're like living through I think our age group in particular is just exhausted by this because we've lived through so many like major world-changing events and it's just like okay are we done? Like, because I think we, I, we like associate those with older people, like, Oh, back in my day, like those kind of like old storytelling folks. And it's like, this is already us. And we're only in our twenties. <laughs> well, it's, it's true. Like in, yeah, in, in my, in my memory, like things I can actually remember and I'm not even 25 yet. I remember what nine 11 was like, yeah. You know, and I keep in mind at the time we lived within spitting distance of the Pentagon. So that panic was like really real. I remember the 2008 recession and the toll that took on my mom and our lifestyle. And now we have this goddamn pandemic. It's like, it's, it's a long span of time in, in relativity. Um, there are two enormous things we need to discuss. Um, I, am extremely disappointed in young people mm-hmm. um now granted yes like i'm not i'm not a gen z hater i'm not <laughs> a gen z hater i think gen z is capable of incredible things um gen z in some respects has been the spine of the political resurgence in 2020 um i think a lot more gen z voted than we think i think gen z really helped to propel the BLM protest this past summer. Gen Z is great. They make funny TikToks. However, there's clearly a lot of members of Gen Z, particularly college students, who don't give a shit about other people's lives. Um, we see this just in this past week. Spring break has hit Florida, Miami in particular. I don't know if you saw those photos of the droves of people maskless in the streets for spring break. 
and they're all college students. Yes, very bad look. It's just like, it. I don't know how to explain my disappointment in this. And and sometimes I've gotten onto like dark sides of TikTok where um, you go into the comments and you have Gen Zers that express this mentality that I've seen echoed a lot where it's like, COVID isn't going to stop me from partying. If you don't like it, just don't come to the party. Or like, LOL, you're mad you weren't invited. No. Is that, what is she doing? She's literally like digging. Okay. Hey, sure. You want to stop doing that? We're kind of in the middle of something. Dude, I know. She's like, she was sleeping on the bed and then she kept whining to come down. So I was like, let me bring her down because then she's going to be whining in our video or audio. And now she's. Oh my goodness. Everything was going so well. I know. Okay, I'm going to seize the day. Anyway. Okay. <laughs> um, yes. So I've seen tons of videos on Reddit, on TikTok of crowds just gathered outside bars, mainly in the South because the South sucks. And it's, it's just, it's a bunch of young people and it's, it's just, inc- I don't know what other word to use. It's just incredibly disappointing um, because we have this idea that like the younger generation, Gen Z, millennials, whatever, that they're going to bring about change and that we're just more progressive. But there's clearly a large chunk of those folks who just don't care and they want to pretend like they do and that it's a very like uh, um, individualist sort of thing. And it's like, no, like you're making choices that impact other people's lives especially like you know that all these young folks they have roommates and it's like you're not yeah. making a decision just for you by going to that party with a hundred other people you're right. making a decision for like your roommate's grandma who they might go see next weekend that you've had right. contact with like people don't truly realize like how big their bubble is mm-hmm. until you start thinking about like the yeah like so-and-so's grandma and this and that. it's just like yeah, sure. You're going to this party and you think that it's just going to affect you and one other person. But like, what about all the other people that they've been in contact with or are going to be in contact with? And then those people, it just, it's, it's huge. And it's just too easy. Yeah. But it's also shown me particularly like with, with the Miami situation right now. uh, And this is the same way in uh, California last year, like during holidays, like Memorial Day and Labor Day, the these cities and these uh, municipalities, these states, they're not doing enough, partially because uh, this is a whole other thing that I don't even think it's worth going into because I don't want to edit a three-hour podcast. Um, but <laughs> there's this, uh, clearly the government just did not do enough to support our economy so that this could happen. But these cities like close the beaches close them close the beaches right you would think it's that easy but they make it seem like it's so difficult when it's really not like you have the power just do it it's just it's a money thing like nobody it's always wants to like take the hit and it's like our government has the money to support people through this they just won't but yeah it's it's 100 a money thing because something as simple or something we perceive as simple as closing the beaches then the government officials are like, oh, if you close the beaches, then people won't come to the beach and the businesses on the beaches will suffer. Like pretending like they've cared about these businesses the whole time. If they cared about the businesses, they would have (laughs) simply paid everyone to stay home 
right. in the first place. I just don't buy this coming at us now being like, oh, if we close the beaches, then the, no one will come to the business. Give oh me God. a break, bro. Well, like, and like places like Australia and New Zealand that like thrive off of tourist culture and like are literally islands like have gone through this literally because they were able to support their businesses and like mm-hmm. fully, fully, fully shut down for several weeks. And like, yep. that was it. They're now done. They're, they're parting as we speak. Yeah, that it it, it do hurt. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this is, I don't get me wrong. I do have sympathy for, I keep saying young folks. I don't quite know whether or not to say Gen Z. I'll just say Gen Z. I do have sympathy for Gen Z because they, you know, they've had to deal with school and college during this time when we haven't. And I'm really right. grateful for that. Oh my and God. I, yeah, I under, and I understand that like a lot of their experiences, <clears throat> like, what we would perceive as traditional experiences have been robbed from them. Mm-hmm. They, they feel robbed of them. And I get of that. Course. Like I get that a lot of students last year, a lot of students this year weren't able to have prom, weren't able to have a graduation ceremony. I, I get that. But at the same time, like it's not an excuse for this recklessness. Right. Um, and I'm not trying to graft this opinion onto all Gen Zers. That's, why I said like I'm not that's not what I mean to do but the evidence is there like I the literal physical video and photographic evidence of these droves of college students and it's just not it like it's really yeah nasty it's just it's it's the most it's one of the most selfish things you can do is to go willingly amass yourself in a crowd of people during a pandemic for what a party Right. Well, and then tell people like, oh, you're just mad because you didn't get invited, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, uh, no, I'm just mad because like you're probably going to kill someone. <laughs> yeah. And and even beyond Gen Z, like I'm going to I have to call this out for a second because this really bothered me on social media. Let's go back to Halloween time. <sighs> I just OK. I feel like a lot of people excused it by saying like, Oh, the, the Halloween party I'm going to, they have 10 or less people. To me, that's not the point. Like the point is a Halloween party is not necessary. No, completely unnecessary. And like, sure, it could be 10 or less people, but those are 10 people not in your quote unquote bubble who, again, like you're just furthering out your reach. Like if someone has the virus and doesn't know, you could be giving it to so many people yeah. just from going to a small little party. I just can't, I just can't with the parties. Like the parties is the number one thing for me where it's like, I have no sympathy for you. I'm going to judge the hell out of you. It's a party. Like (laughs) it's a party. I, you you know, I went to see a a handful of my family members for Christmas, guilty of that, but that's not a party. Like I wanted to be with four family members for Christmas for some Mm -hmm. sense of normalcy. Like I have sympathy for that, but a fucking party where you're just going to get drunk or get fucked or do the fucking, we're in a pandemic. You don't need to party. Yeah. I think there's a difference definitely between like being in a gathering with your family for like a holiday or for some commemorative moment, because it, it, it touches you emotionally, but like going to a party that's not necessary to celebrate like a made up holiday. It's just too much. Yeah, I just have no, I just have no sympathy. It was Halloween, 4th of July. It's been happening. Like people yeah. have been partying this whole pandemic. It just blows my mind. And, and it goes into like, they wonder why 
everyone's trust levels are just plummeting during this pandemic. It's for shit like this. It's like, mm-hmm. it, I can't trust my fellow humans to not be assholes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now, granted, this is like, like many other things. This is something you could easily pin on celebrities and their toxic culture and what they post on Instagram. Um, so let's go into that. Obviously, there have been a ton of influencers in particular that have openly flaunted about going to parties during a pandemic or, you know, like the the Kardashians for Kim's birthday or whatever, some shit. She was like, oh, I'm having a party with like 40 friends, but it's okay. Every single one of them got tested and quarantined beforehand so we can have this party. But you're posting about it on social media like, woo, party in the middle of the summer when BLM is happening and people are dying it's like like quite literally people are dying Kim (laughs) hello (laughs) Courtney knows all yeah it yeah and the thing is like it's not like we know from looking at a group of 40 people like oh yeah but they all quarantined and got tested and blah 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 like no you're sending the completely well and it like the thing is you see that and that's not what you immediately think when you see that image so you're you're sending the wrong message no matter what you did to prepare like it's still wrong exactly it It still looks wrong like exactly and also i mean maybe i'm being cynical but like i highly fucking doubt 40 people, 40 rich people, 40 like young, hot, rich celebrities. You really expect me to believe that every single one of them quarantined for 14 days just to go on this three day trip. Come on. (laughs) But no, it's like celebrities. This is something, this is something the pandemic has really illuminated, which is the the second big thing I want to talk about. It's just like celebrities and the wealthies response and reaction to this pandemic has been particularly exhausting. It's, it's done a bunch of things. It's highlighted their narcissism. It's highlighted income inequality. Like, let's go back to that goddamn imagine video trend that Miss Gal Gadot started. Oh God. I actually saw like a BuzzFeed thing that was like the weirdest shit celebrities did during the pandemic. And it was like one complaining about like having to stay in their like gigantic yeah. houses. And then two doing that imagine video like that was literally going to do anything yeah it's just it's beyond tone deaf and then when you see some of the people involved with that i just don't understand how like think through your actions it just seems to me and and like celebrities they have a little thing called publicists some of them have more than one everything they put out there on social media they participate in should go through their publicists and if they're doing their job they should know like i mean there are some outliers like Vanessa Hudgens disastrous live stream obviously her publicist her publicist can't clear that live but she just shouldn't (laughs) have said that to begin with um yes but yeah like the 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 being sad about trapped inside I actually wrote in the outline uh and she's problematic for a variety of other reasons but that clip of Ellen crying in her multi-million dollar (laughs) one one of her multi-million dollar estates she's crying and this was mind you Mm, 10 days into quarantine and she's like oh my god i miss all my friends and life is so oh hard god. i'm not saying you and it's can't... like people are literally dying like that's well, just what gets me like again like they are sad about being in these like giant houses and like they have room basketball courts and swimming pools and they're like ah. yeah and and i'm not saying you can't cry we 
all cry. Right, of course. But as a celebrity, you have a certain responsibility. You're portraying, you're putting out an image and you have millions of people looking to you. It's a responsibility. And so you can cry. Ellen, go cry. Don't cry on camera about your house and being yeah, trapped. Not in on it. Instagram live, honey. Not on camera, not on Instagram. It was on her show, like her show yeah. that's broadcasted to millions of people. I don't want to see no. it. Now, of course, she got her comeuppance, even though she's still making millions <laughs> Wait, of dollars. What word did you just say? Comeuppance. It's a good word. <laughs> it's not used enough. <laughs> a word of the day. Wait, say it again. Comeuppance. Comeuppance. <laughs> word of the day. Actually, can you write that down and and send it to me? Really? I want to find ways to use that in my everyday vernacular. Yes. Sure. I'll send you the dictionary.com link. <laughs> Say it one um, more time. One more time. I'm going to do it in my best. Uh, should I do movie trailer voice or sultry voice? Oh, movie trailer voice. Okay. <clears throat> oh, God. Here we go. <laughs> Coming this summer, comeuppance. <laughs> I've never heard that word before. Like, it's just blowing. You haven't? Comeuppance. Like, you ha- you've never heard it? Who Who would have said, like, what, how, why, where? <laughs> Me, Zach Maynard, 2021. <laughs> Okay, I'm sorry. I just could not. I couldn't let you say a word like comeuppance and not fixate on it. I understand. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, um, so uh, in terms of like illuminating, like we were talking about how celebrities have been illuminated, particularly during this pandemic, uh, in terms of their negative contributions or lack of contributions um to the world now obviously we're not talking about all celebrities but you know mm-hmm. what i mean we've we've listed examples already yeah. uh, i would like to discuss how and this is kind of touchy i don't know how to say this but uh oh excuse me uh-huh moving on um i don't know how to say this but like we have to acknowledge that because of this pandemic it's really it's kind of been an aha moment in a lot of ways I think people who didn't consider themselves to be particularly political before this year now are Um, Mm -hmm. I don't think people who I think people who previously didn't care about issues like uh, income inequality or BLM or voting I think a lot of that changed this year and it's because of this perfect storm of the pandemic. And while that's brought a lot of pain, I ultimately think in the scope of history, that is one positive thing that's happened. Um, You know, uh, uh, perhaps you can speak more on this because I'm not a person of color, but from, from an outsider's perspective, it felt like this, this year of BLM was bigger than it's ever been because of the, just the fact that like, people had more time on their hands. A lot of people were out of work. And that, again, it's like a perfect storm of, we can have these gigantic protests in a way that we've never had before. Yeah. Um, Yeah. It's, it's been interesting because I think at work, we experienced this too, where like 
people started like following us in and mass because of all the like hype or I don't want to say hype, but it almost was like, it's been hyped up. Like obviously black lives matter. The organization has been a thing since Trayvon Martin, like years. Mm -hmm. And now there's like been a lot more attention on it. I think partially because of the fact of like the, because of the pandemic, like we were all at home, we are all looking at our phones. We're all looking at the news differently. And we're all just like looking for an opportunity to do something, but also because I think we've reached a point where we're just like fed up like this. I think this time was just different because for someone out there, like this was the moment to just scream louder than we've ever screamed before. And the circumstances made it like amplified. So it's, yeah, it's, it's been interesting. I think it's, that has just also made it harder to, has made it harder and easier to point out like performative allyship. Like we could talk about the NFL and that would be its own episode. Let's talk about the NFL during our systemic racism episode. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That that's its own monster, but like things like that, like corporate America getting behind like tackling racism when not realizing that like the way that they function is rooted in white supremacy, but they don't want to address that. Just things like that. It's just, it's been interesting. I mean, it's also like really comforting to see that there are like so many people out there willing to support us. And like, there are so many like organizations willing to actually stand by it and say like, whether we lose people or not, whether we lose donors or not, or followers or whatever, like we're going to support this because this matters more than money or numbers or whatever, which is great. But at the same time, it like hasn't done a ton to like stop white supremacy. And like we, we, I've talked about this with some of my like close colleagues, like if America truly cared about ending white supremacy and ending racism, there would be a task force dedicated to it and working to like tackle it as fast as they like worked on getting people to the moon. Like we were able to do that so quickly because they cared so much. Whereas like clearly this country and our government doesn't care enough about racism to actually work to end racism and end white supremacy and like just change our society. And the thing is like, I have so much to say, but I don't, I don't want to say too much because this isn't a (laughs) podcast about racism. (laughs) Well, that's, that's the thing though. Like the moon, the moon landing was a product of hubris more or less and something like a ending white supremacy task force on a national level involves a large degree of humility which our (laughs) culture is not built on no not i even if people want to pretend i'm not hearing that because it's not it's It's um our culture is built on pride and greed and power um, and, and speaking of which, like speaking of, and I'm talking about America, the United States, um, yeah. I, I do think that another positive thing, at least in my eyes, I know that like all the boomers and Gen Xers are going to like scream when I say this, but I'm glad that COVID like once and for all, and this is also in combination with just the pure exhaustion and destruction of Trump's presidency. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think once and for all, like America on the world stage is finished, at least, at least, um, 
I'm not talking about economically, but in terms of perspective yeah. and status, like mm-hmm. it's, it, we're, we're done. And I'm so happy yeah. to see it because it's like, we've never been all that. We've never been, this country has never been what it has proclaimed to be. Oh, yeah, never. <laughs> never. And and let's be fair, like no country, I mean, I'm not a world historian, but it's no country can ever be that. No country can ever practice what it preaches 100%. Right. But America in particular, like we have such a nasty history in many regards, you know, I can't speak on it now because I'm not in the public school system anymore, but I'm sure that you and I both growing up, there's a shit ton of propaganda and history and social studies class. You know, you're discouraged from challenging the things you learn in those classes. Yeah. And so growing up listening to, and imagine like our parents where it was worse. Yeah. Like it was worse. Like those textbooks were even more black and white. It's just, it shocks me how many people are so like, for lack of a better phrase, America, fuck yeah, like woohoo America. And and I'm hopeful that this year, the last year, it's like, no, like we have failed plain and simple. Plain right. and simple, we have failed in so many regards. And I think finally, at least people like 30 and under, we're not putting up with that anymore. And we're not, yeah, we're not gung-ho. Like it's okay to not be patriotic. It's okay. Also, I mean, who's to say that like wanting to change your country for the better isn't patriotism in itself. Like we're just so stuck in this like gross modern patriotism. That's like America forever, ride or die. Like we have to go with how our country is now. Like what is the problem with accepting the fact that a system created by white colonizers who owned people is a little flawed, like what is more patriotic than actually saying, I want to change my country for the better so that I actually enjoy saying I'm an American? Like, because I think a lot of us don't enjoy saying I'm an American right now. <laughs> no, exactly. And don't even get me started on those people that are like, if you don't like America, get out. Bro, oh if it was easy, I would have been out. Yeah. <laughs> I would have been out. I know a lot of us would. If there was well, a and button it's like, you this could is press, my home. I shouldn't have to get out. Like I should be able to just well that make, too yes like the, I would the, get out the get out <laughs> argument I mean yeah the get out <laughs> argument is pretty easy but <laughs> we shouldn't yeah. have to like have that argument in the first place like it should just be like oh this isn't a great place for everyone like how can we adjust our society so that it's equitable for all different identities yeah and and Very again simple. the the people that say that, let's be honest, often uh, conservative Republicans, they uh, irony is lost on them quite frequently all the time. We should have an episode about being exhausted by Republicans too. I'm down for that. Honestly, same. Down for that. And January gave us a lot of material, honey. January gave us a ton of material. Ava DuVernay has given us a lot of material. <laughs> <laughs> Candace Owens arguing with Cardi B has given me a lot of material. I mean, look at the material. I mean, yeah, look at the material, honestly. (laughs) Uh, Raise your hand. Actually, no, I'm not going to go in on Candace Owens yet. We'll wait. We'll wait. (laughs) We will wait. I'll wait. (laughs) Can we also mention Christian Walker during that discussion? Oh, my God. I saw a TikTok that was like a fake Christian Walker 
audio and I for real thought it was him for a second until oh, I don't remember what he said, but it was, it was just funny. <laughs> he just says the dumbest stuff and it's like, whoa, why? Why are you so loud? <laughs> we'll get into him. We'll make a hit list. We'll make a hit list, so to speak, of people to just take down. People we want to verbally take out. Yeah, verbally take out. Yeah, verbally, legally. Ver- this is a joke. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess like to wrap this up, I I did want to talk about how the pandemic has obviously affected lots of industries in different ways. Mm-hmm. And in fact, actually, you can shed light on this because it's you are a product of it, but the way that the pandemic has just completely disrupted the entertainment industry, whether it's performing arts, film, television, all of that, it's so infinitely fascinating to me how complex this issue is and and historically how earth shattering it is for the entire industry going forward. Yeah, I mean, well, that's what I wanted to talk about, actually, was like the difference between actors like in Hollywood not making money right now and then like stage performers on, I mean, on Broadway, off Broadway, in local theaters and community theater. Like it's it's hard because like obviously Hollywood actors are fine. (laughs) Commercial actors are probably also a little fine, like screen acting, I feel like has found a way to operate in the midst of the pandemic but like Mm -hmm. we cannot go back to sold out theaters on broadway packed you know with actors and whoever else is you know on stage and crew and everything it's just like that i think that's going to be the hardest transition and i will say like Yes, I worked for Wisconsin's largest theater company. You can Google it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and it was slightly traumatic. However, at the end of the day, I'm like still a little theater kid at heart. So I do love like theater. Um, so it is weird to talk about it. Like, but it is, it's like sad. It, it's sad to see it and to think that like there have been stages I mean, yeah, at this point, like almost every theater has not had, has not been operating for a full year and it's just insane. And it's, it's crazy. Ugh. Yeah. And you want to talk about the government that should be doing something. Uh, There's been zilch arts emergency funding. Yeah. And that's the sad thing too. Like this country is so comfortable with the idea of like other people raising money to support other people like we should not have to do that GoFundMe should not be a thing emergency artist funds that are donated by like you know community members should not be a thing oh and like that's how some of our like some of these artists are literally like putting food on the table and paying rent and like staying afloat is by these like community funds and it's like that's not okay yeah, it's it's just it's ridiculous. Um, it's ridiculous and it's unfortunate. And I think about too because you know I'm I'm like a I get saddened by the closure of movie theaters. It is sad to me that a lot of independent theaters are closed because again, no emergency funding. Those are like a lot of those places are historic sites, um, and 
just the whole theater model going forward for film as well as theater is is just going to be completely changed. I mean, in particular for film, because a theater you can't you can't rent a theatrical performance at home. Right. But for films, it, there's an interesting conundrum that's come up where people have gotten used to seeing to being able to rent these new release films in mm-hmm. their home. Yeah. Um, so a lot of industry people are like, what's going to happen when we do get back to normal? Because at that point, like any possibility of any sort of sold out opening night film yeah. is not even possible until probably next spring. We're just not that we're only halfway there. Um, well, and then what's to say that like people are even going to be like willing to do that? Because there's a lot of things that yeah. I don't know if I'll be willing to do after this, even if it's like safe. Uh, like, yeah, <laughs> well, that, but that's what I mean. Like, especially since we have these options now where you can, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not, I'm a fan of the option, not a fan of the practice, but you know, you right. can rent, you can spend $20 to rent a new release film in the comfort of your own home now, which for a lot of people is the same price as two tickets or one mm-hmm. ticket if you live in like New York or something. Um, and so when people over time get used to this option, you know, the industry is like, are they going to want to go back? Like, is this going to be acceptable to take that away um, once things are normal? And it's just infinitely fascinating to me how that has evolved and how it's just going to change things forever. And theater performing arts will have its own challenges you know it's like you said yeah. like will people want to like when you when you go without something for a long time and it's been a long it's been a year it's been a long time the idea of revisiting it for some people might be like oh shit like let's go kind of like how you know when when like a i guess like a club or a bar reopens proper where you can actually go in without masks and have a good time. Yeah, I'm going to be like, okay, let's go. Like, I'm one of those people, but a lot of people won't be like that. They'll be like, yeah, I'm not going to lie. I I don't know if I'm going to be able to do it. Like thinking about now how easy it is to get sick. Like, even if it's not a deadly virus, but just like realizing how easily you can get any type of sick. I can't like look at public spaces the same. I'd be like, yeah and see like that's a that's a personal choice that everybody should respect yeah um i don't feel that way because like i lived my life perfectly fine before this pandemic and if i got sick i got sick obviously this is extremely different and i'm taking that very seriously but yeah like it's it's an incredibly valid notion it's just like how a lot of people are saying i'm going to continue to wear a face mask because of that very reason. It's like, I don't right. want to get sick. And that's valid. It's, just, it's, that's, that's, I think the big question mark looming over us now. I mean, beforehand, like if we go back a year, the question was, when is this going to be over? Mm-hmm. And, and now that we've gotten past putting any sort of time stamp on this, as much as people want to, I think now the big question mark is like, what is life going to be like in in another year what's it going to be like i'm i'm so fascinated and interested to see what are you like what are some things that you're hoping to see in life like after the pandemic 
Like I'm uh, hoping to see that people have the courtesy to wear masks when they're sick or something like that. Like just little things to help prevent. Like I'm hoping the sanitation rules stay. I'm hoping that like, maybe we consider smaller capacity rules from here on out. Like those are some things I'm hoping to see. Um, but I'm interested to see what, what, what you have to say. I, <laughs> a, 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 a potentially controversial one popped into my head. And I'm talking about specifically for the COVID vaccine. Okay. I would love to see mandatory vaccine. Oh, for sure. Honestly, yes. At this point, it's necessary. (laughs) I just, I think, uh, or in the very, here, let me rephrase that. I don't mean like be forced and held down to get a vaccine or you'll go to jail, but I mean like, and, and I know that, I know that businesses won't do this because it'll be too controversial um, and potentially turn away too many ca- uh, customers. But I think like every business in particular, large change of corporations, mm-hmm. once the vaccine is readily available to everyone and it's been readily available for a couple of months, deny entry unless they have a vaccine card. Yeah. I hope that happens. I think maybe as some places will do it. I think family owned might do it or, or local places. I just don't have the confidence that national chains and stuff like that or stores are going to do that because of the controversy. And I think it's a shame because I think that would, I actually think that would convince more people to get it. Like think about all these anti-vaxxer soccer moms that are like, oh, the vaccine is so harmful. (laughs) And so so all of a sudden they can't go into Lululemon with their girlfriends. (laughs) I just, I really think it'd be helpful. Right. Well, and then they can admit like, okay, fine. Getting a vaccine actually isn't that bad. I'll do it. If it means I can go to Lulu's. Yeah. Like I honestly, <laughs> I would love, I would love to see that. I yeah. Would love and to see I, that. I mean, at the very least, I hope that like more institutions require it, like colleges, universities, mm-hmm. schools, like why are we even allowing parents to be anti-vaxxers at this point? It's just not okay. It's gross. Especially because yeah. elementary school classrooms are like breeding grounds for diseases. Kids are nasty. Kids, it's true. They are nasty. And, and, and it, yeah, no, this is a horror. We should, we should do an episode. <laughs> this isn't a podcast about kids. <laughs> <laughs> we ain't got no damn kids. Well, you have Shuri, but she's I got different... one right here. Yeah. yeah. God damn that dog. I know. Um, she's passed out now, by the way. <laughs> oh, good. She's acting up earlier. I know. Um, well, I think we've said all we have to say. Uh, oh, and so did she. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we had a nice little conversation and I was aiming to make it shorter than our last couple episodes, more <laughs> so for Zach's sake in the editing room. Right. Well, actually, I was worried that this episode in itself, like recording it and having this discussion would be exhausting in itself, but it actually (laughs) has been pleasant to like think through things and talk through things and express things that have made us feel guilty or things that have made us feel like comforted and whatever. So yeah, a necessary conversation to have with your close friends, call up your buddies. Let's process. Let's, let's go to therapy. (laughs) <laughs> or you could just listen to this podcast. Yeah, you can talk with us. We won't be able to hear you, but we'll 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 feel it. <laughs> I support you talking to yourself. I frequently do it in my own apartment. Honestly, same. If I'm listening to a podcast and they say something, I'd be like, "What?" 
<laughs> at least you have your dog with you so you can kind of like pretend you're talking to her right right no they'll be coming at me reckless on the podcast not me specifically but you know something that i agree with and i'll be like ah i don't really think that's true they can't hear me but <laughs> <laughs> okay well let's say goodbye to our listeners for this episode i hope you join us for the next one the next episode of exhausted we're gonna have our first guest ow, hopefully ow, ow, ow. Yes, as of now we're so excited. <laughs> as of now we have a guest for the next episode yeah come back and find out we're not gonna tell you the name i will tell you the topic we're gonna be talking about climate change Ooh. and environmentalism baby yes. the mother earth beneath our feet I, I actually saw a tiktok the other day that was like i can't wait to go from stressing about this pandemic back to stressing about the climate crisis okay actually our podcast so yeah wow yeah exactly all right well um thank you for listening and um here's our signature sign off of have a good night and wear a mask yeah, wear a mask, you idiots. Oh. <laughs> you should cut it off right there. Oh, no.